What's going on guys? Welcome to episode 11 of Property as a Game of Finance. This is the third episode of the three-part series with Steve Polisi. On this episode, we're going to talk about some finance strategies and how that relates to commercial investing. Uh, so I guess we could start on the difference between the finance application process with commercial and residential. It's not that much, is it? It's just, yeah, at a lease, there's a, there's a valuation that's quite important. But other than that, the lenders are still looking at the same thing. If it's a full doc loan, it's you know, your income coming in, expenses coming out, your existing loans, the repayments, the sensitized rates. So it's really not that different, hey? In, in general, it's not. You've still got a few more moving parts, like as we mentioned in the last episode, valuations. Mm. So it's a lot more subject to that where you have to actually pay for it. Uh, but even just valuing the commercials different, like a residential, a lot of the time they do the desktop or even the drive-by yeah. valuations. Yeah. Commercial, they send someone every single time. Basically, they run it just to make sure you're buying well. But again, yeah. different lenders are different criteria. There's also commercial-only lenders as well. So it's not just, oh, you just go to the thing. And this is a lot, of, a lot of resi brokers will say they can do commercial and they'll go to the big four and they go, oh, yeah, you can get this much, which is fine. But why wouldn't you want to have a chat with someone who's talking to the, the peppers and the think tanks and the ones that go just do commercial and look at all the other options we'll talk about, like lease yeah. docs and no doc loans and things. So the general process from your side's the same, but there are a lot more kind of complications in terms of how you value the property and, and options like lease length, uh, loan term length and things like that. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up. I mean, for residential valuations, you're right. They just... They don't even have to go to the property. Even for a purchase, they do a valuation. They get on the computer because there's so much comparable sales. They yeah, but with a commercial, you're right. They have to really go to the property, look at the lease. They um, they know there's a lot less that can go wrong. Like if they buy in a, a good suburb and it's a nice, clean looking house from the photos and things <laughs> like that, it's going to be okay. You'll get a tenant, and whether yeah. rent, whether the rent's six hundred a week or six twenty, not going to change too much. Um, but commercial like who the tenant is, what their lease terms are, what the yield you're getting, where it is, foot traffic and road traffic, how long's left on the lease, what the fit-out costs are. That yeah. all comes into play with the value of the property. And some people pay stupidly over, some people get a really good buy, and that, that, that comes a lot more into it. Whereas it's all, it's all about mitigating risk for banks. Yeah. The, people don't care, the banks do not care about your wealth. They're not trying to make you rich. They're mm. literally looking out of how do they protect their investment and get their return on investment, which is the interest rate. Yeah, yeah. And in a lot of cases, the interest rates are slightly higher, uh, especially if you go to third-tier lenders. But with the majors, the interest rates are higher in commercial than it is for residential. The loan terms are shorter. You're looking at 20 to 25 years. And then 30 years is really where you go to those third-tier lenders. Uh, but then again, because it's a longer loan, loan term, more can go wrong in that t in that period. So they're, they're pricing you on that risk as well. The loan to value ratio is another thing that's important. And all this affects the finance application because a shorter loan term, it's harder to service it. You've got to pay off more principal in that short loan term. Uh, the lower loan to value ratios, like 70% really, 75, and then 80% once you get to third tiers. So all this affects the finance application because you're gonna to have to have a big deposit, if the loan term's too short, like I've seen some major lenders offering 15-year loan terms. Like if you go for a five-year interest-only term, you're, they're looking at your ability to make the repayments on a 10-year principal period. Like that's almost impossible. Like, and, and this is where we have the chat with most of our clients. And like 
a bad broker will get a deal done, but a good broker will actually say, no, no, this is going to hurt your serviceability or stop you buying that yeah. PPOR or you're not going to be able to buy the next property or get finance out from one of the residential yeah. properties. And this, because there are so many moving parts and so many options because you start looking at five-year loan terms and 15 and 25 and then your second-tier lenders and serviceability versus borrowing capacity. So it, it actually... It's a game of finance. Funny, funny you oh, mentioned that. I was actually going to ask you that, mate. Is that, is that still the same for commercial? It, it is. It, yeah, it's, thanks, it's, man. That's, that's it, a good podcast name, mate. Every, every, every buyer's agent, high-level investor talk about finance as being the critical thing. Yeah. between Because anyone can buy a property and anyone can buy a good quality property. The ones yeah. that do well are the ones that can buy lots of them and they don't use their own money. So it, yeah. that actually is all finance. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on the loan terms, the loan terms being shorter and the loan to value ratios being lower, the reason the banks are doing that is because it's it's seemingly more risky to them because it's mainly due to the the vacancy periods and, and the potential for that vacancy period. They can't really rely on everyone who's buying commercial property or getting a finance getting finance for a commercial property. They can't rely on everyone to have cash buffers in place or use a ripper buyers agent like Steve Polisi. Um, you, they, they've got to put these in place to protect themselves to make sure that they can get their money because if it goes vacant, the tenant defaults, um, it, it was bought at a 70% LVR two years ago, they can sell it for 20% less and still get their money back. That's yep. that's really all they care about. Yep, there's just, yeah. there's just risk mitigation. And that's the thing with the commercial. Like generally, if one doesn't have a tenant, you'll buy it 10 to 20% cheaper but finance is a lot harder because you've got no income on the property. So mm. when you're trying to get it for serviceability, that's yeah. quite difficult. You also have to pay GST, which we haven't mentioned on one of the podcasts. Mm. So if you buy a vacant commercial property, you have to pay an extra 10% deposit because it's the GST component of the purchase. You will get back that back in your first BAS statement. Uh, but coming up with a Why do they do that? It's just because they don't know if it's going to be investment property or use it for business. And oh, okay. They just generally protect themselves. So getting finance for a vacant commercial is a lot more difficult. You can make money if you've got quite a bit of cash and you can get the, the vacant properties over line and then put a tenant in, into yeah. it. You can get that 20, kind of 30% uplift. But like you said, it's just the banks are mitigating their risk. Also with different types of commercials, there are some volatile types of commercials. Like things like we mentioned on the last podcast, office space, how they could build a 20-story skyscraper next to you. And that could mean the rents mm. plummet in your building by 20%. Yeah. And as they're valued on the, the rent that you're getting, you've lost 20% capital growth. So they're mitigating the risk there. Different lenders as well will risk profile different properties and locations. So like some banks won't, won't, won't let you buy office space because they consider it too high risk post-COVID. Certain types of industries, some banks don't like gyms. So if you try to buy like a franchise gym. Really? Yeah, they won't like it. They won't gyms lend to it. Gyms pop in there, right? In certain locations, some of them are fun. When they, they, lots of them popped up in the same area when there was the kind mm. of anytime Jets Fitness phase yeah. and Snap Fitness and they all popped up. Some of them actually struggled. So yeah. my, my um, due diligence guy in my team, which is actually my brother, he used to manage gyms for Shout a living. Shout out to Jeff. <laughs> hey, Jeff. <laughs> um, he, he was in the industry where it kind of crumbled and yeah. that's why he kind of came working the property game. So there are risks and same thing like some won't touch. Petrol stations because they know. Mm. Some are postcode restricted as well. And that's not actually based on like the actual property itself. There are ones, obviously, it's based on like, oh, they don't want to buy in a mining town, so they put some postcode restrictions. Sometimes they're just mitigating the risk on their books. So they'll say, they'll actually, you'll actually get a better interest rate by buying in, say, Queensland than opposed to New South Wales, just because that lender holds a lot of risk and um, properties in New South Wales. 
So they're diversifying their risk by going into other states, which I, which I found baffling that depending on where you buy, you get a different interest rate. So it's not just a lender. So, so there are some weird nuances like that with commercial lending as well, which most people don't know about. Mm. Yeah. I want to touch on servicing again because um, you meant, uh, we mentioned that point about a, a lender offering a 15-year loan term. Even if you can uh, get approved for that loan and it's at a really good interest rate, obviously because the risk to the lender, if you're on a, on a 15-year loan term, you're paying off a pretty significant amount of that principal yep. from the get-go. So, But if you did that, you can almost forget about doing anything else while you've got that loan term because... You know, if you if you got a thirty year loan term, you're pretty much halving how much you have to pay in the principal. So that's going to improve your serviceability big yep, time. Exactly. So I've I've had that personally recently as well, whereas I've put my commercial properties onto longer lease terms because I'm looking to buy a principal place of residence. Mm-hmm. So I need that serviceability to be able to buy that principal place of residence. So that that's why you need to balance like what you're trying to achieve over what time frame. And then balancing that with how much equity you have versus what risk profile versus what serviceability you have. And then kind of juggling it all from there. And, and yeah. this, this is why you need a good broker. Yeah. And if you, I mean, with a commercial property, with the lender, uh, the tenant taking, up, taking over all the outgoings, very high yields, if you've got an extended loan term and the loan to value ratio is quite low, a lot of time that's good for your servicing. Yeah. So that could set you up quite well. And and you got to like I said you got to plan what you're trying to achieve over the next 5 years because you might have a bit of a paydown strategy for that property anyway. Mm. So you get it on a 70% loan and in 5 years time you've put the cash flow back into it yep. and it ends up being a 50% LVR. So having a 50% LVR on a 15 year loan term yep. is actually no difference to having a 70% on a 20 year in terms mm. of your serviceability. So you kind of balance that aspect of to what you're trying to achieve as well. Yeah. And it's a bit more of an aggressive approach to you know, get a 30-year loan term, but have a P&I, it's still going to be very good for your servicing, especially if you're looking to buy more properties as well. I mean, let's look at a, a $1 million residential property versus a $1 million commercial property. I mean, the the rental yield you're going to get on a $1 million residential is not going to be anywhere near that of a commercial. And it's even worse. Like even if you're looking at actual figures as of today, and you compare that to how the bank's assessing it, it's even worse when the bank's assessing because they're adding the 3% buffer onto the interest rate, they're shading the actual rental income. So whatever you think, uh, you might think that it's quite similar or it's it's really not. But And then when the bank's assessing you, it, it's even worse. Yeah, you even <laughs> find people go to interest only thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to have less mortgage repayments, I'll have yeah. a bigger borrowing capacity. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. the, 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 bank, the banks are aware of that. I love they're, that they're one. They're onto man. it. I love that one. Oh, well, that's um, funny you mentioned that because then when you get to third tier lenders, by having interest only repayments on all your other loans, it actually frees up your borrowing capacity when you go to a third tier lender. So we've... We've done this before when I've sent clients to you. They've already got a pretty decent size residential portfolio and they're kind of at the they're at the, the top end of their capacity. They're, Which is why you're going to a third-tier lender. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it's, it starts with a refinance. You know, you set them up to, to, to fit the third-tier lender policy to give them a lot more borrowing. Like I had a client who was um, looking, to get a, looking to buy a residential investment house and land package and um, very, very like tight servicing, very, very tough because not all lenders do commercial uh, uh, construction anyway. So what we did was refinance the entire portfolio interest only uh, as well as the cash out. Now, they were all with major banks and those banks are looking at what the repayments are going to be after the interest only period. Not Even though your yeah, interest only is, is less, they're worrying about what, what about after that interest only period. It's much higher, servicing's worse. So we 
got a, a decent amount of cash out to enough to be pretty much like a 25, 30% deposit on a commercial and took it to a third tier lender like Liberty who does a 30 year loan term. Um, I think we kept a P and I, I'm not sure, but the servicing, like they met and ended up getting like a million dollar commercial property. A lot of brokers don't even know about third tier lenders. Like they'll, they'll stick to the major lenders or second tier lenders and that's what they know. And they don't know about that, you know, third tier lenders will take actual interest only repayments into servicing and facilitate much more borrowing. And I have a lot of times I have to have that chat with the client. I'm like, look, this is how they're assessing it. They're taking actual repayments on interest only loans. And when it rolls over to P&I, you better be sure you can refinance it before then or um, look to, you know, if you're planning to sell one of your residential properties to pay down some of your debt, that would free up a lot more borrowing, get a restructure, do the same thing again. So there's a lot of ways you can do stuff like that. And um, it, it is kind of stretching yourself quite thin. So I, I really do have that conversation with them and try to prepare them for, you know, the risk that they're taking on. Um, you know, cash buffers is the amount of times I say cash buffer to the clients over the phone is ridiculous. And then income protection, life insurance, that that type of stuff is yeah really good to it's, mitigate it's risk. It's also personal circumstances yeah. as well. Some people have very low risk jobs, like you work as a police officer or a teacher or a nurse where you've got a very stable kind of job guarantee. But if you're in a, a volatile industry where you might be able to work here and there or you're self-employed and things like that, or planning for kids, like that, that is all going to change your strategy and kind of what yeah. buffers you need to have. Like there's certain industries where like I've got professional footballers. I've got a soccer-roo on my mm. books at the moment. We're trying to try name to drop it. Come tr- on, name tr- drop it. Nah, try, trying no to do one, it. No one knows about soccer anyways. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> try, trying to get like do some form of property plan with that, with, that, with that person is very difficult because I have no idea if his career is going to end from injury in a year's time or he's going to have a long, long, good career. So, so where's, where's the playing for him? And he knows, he knows he's going to have a severe income drop. Um, and things. So yeah. when you're talking in the broker, you're talking shorter loan periods yeah. and mitigating risks that way. Yeah. Yeah. And after you hit that period of, you know, you're at your, you're at the end of the line with a third tier lender. There's even another step you can go after that. And that's a lease stock loan. So talk to us a little bit about that. So some, most people don't know about lease stock loans, but it is a very powerful one for commercial. So it's basically the bank will give you a loan on the premise of the lease, so the strength of the lease. So say you buy something with a five-year lease, they will give you a five-year loan basically without looking at your personal circumstances. So they just look at the property itself, the valuation, the strength of the lease, yeah. and they give you a bank. So if you're running into serviceability issues, yeah. a lease stock loan is another option moving forward. Yeah, so let's say you've got 10 properties in your personal name and you're doing all that, and then you go for a lease stock loan, all they're looking at is the the rental income. It's at a higher, a lower LVR, so there's a bigger deposit required, but really it's just does the lease make the repayments on the loan? That's it. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some risks. So I personally, after I bought like eight residential properties, I got a lease stock loan because I couldn't get finance and that's how I got into my first commercial. Mm. And it's great. And then you just got to be aware that at the end of that lease term, the banks will refinance that property and you'll get another lease stock loan based on the strength of the lease. And yeah. so you just, you need to be able to obviously handle the higher interest rate yeah. and the risk if the tenant leaves, you're going to have to be able to handle that mortgage without the tenant. Yeah. So see, I wouldn't recommend a client do that without using a buyer's agent. Seriously, like, People, it, it, I mean, I barely recommend people buying investment properties without using a buyer's agent. And when it goes to commercial and then lease stock, you're at the highest risk, like really, really have to use a buyer's agent. Yeah, most most buyer's agents get a bad rap because there, there are some bad buyer's agents. 
but oh, there's yeah. bad plumbers and bad carpenters and that, that's where you do your research. There's also buyers agents that call themselves buyers agents, but they're selling off the plan or getting paid by developers and things like that. But they're, they're not buyers agents. They're, they're real estate agents. So mm. just get some. But I've got a general rule and I always say this to my clients, never trust anyone in real estate. Like not even me, who's a buyers agent. Anything I send you, double check it, cross check it, mm. make sure you're happy because there's only one person going to hate at the end of it if it doesn't work out. And it's going to be you for trusting someone you shouldn't have because... No one cares about your financial well-being as much as you do. Yeah. Like that's thing. So just cross-check all the figures, make sure you're comfortable, get educated and don't try to get rich quick. Like mm. just tick the fundamentals. We've all seen. So here's a stat for you. The last 30 years, every single capital city in residential properties has quadrupled in value. So as long as you keep that long-term mindset and you buy well, you're going to do okay. Yeah. The, the people that try to get rich quick buying in mining towns and doing these fancy developments and things like that, Yes, you can accelerate it, but you can also burn yourself really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I want to end it on exit strategy. How mm. ironic. Um, I think it's not talked about it enough. Like a lot of times we're talking about how you can buy and buy and buy more, more, more. But at some point you're going to have to exit out of that. And you did a really good post on your social media about that. It was like seven different ways to do it. And there's heaps of different ways you can have a uh, exit out of your investments. But you got to have a strategy. So let's talk about a few ways you can do that. Yeah, you, you just got to have an idea. It doesn't have to be foolproof. Like I, I, we mentioned this part of the podcast, like I've got a very fluid strategy because I'm also potentially going to have kids in the future and then all private schools and the strategy will change. But you still need to be thinking about it in kind of 10, 15 years time. So the, the first one, which most people kind of think about is just paying down the, the debt. So buying all your properties, pay down the debt. That's a really good low risk strategy because mm. if you don't have any debt and you've got a nice big portfolio, all that rental income um, for commercial anyway, there's no outgoings, is coming to you. Residential, it's just the, the net return that you get after paying the outgoings. There's no more risk there. You've got yeah. properties, you've got an income kind of there. See, on, on that, right, so if you're paying off the debt because a lot of people, they'll get to a certain point where they've paid off the debt and they'll leverage it again to buy more. So what you can do instead, especially if you're kind of getting older, you want that cash flow but you don't want to sell your properties – you could just refinance it, extend the loan term. doesn't matter how old you are. If they're all investments, the bank wants an exit strategy as well. And if it's an investment, you can just sell it. They get their money back. But um, yeah, if, if you don't want to, you've paid down a fair bit of your debt, you want higher cash flow, you can just refinance it, extend the loan term. It's going to be positive cash flow, but you can just hold on to what you have. You don't need to sell anything. Yep. So so that that's if you're selling part or all of your portfolio down, if you want to use that money yeah. there. So that that's 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 one strategy. And that kind of flows into other ones as well, where you kind of <coughs> sell some of the portfolio or refinance some of the portfolio and keep it there. The other option is you refinance and you buy commercial. Mm. So you get like a good commercial property with a high cash flow. Um, but normally what happens is like most most of the older generation, they'll have three or four properties and they'll sell one that they think is kind of at the end of the cycle. And use it to pay down ones, the high cash flow ones, and kind of go from there. But again, I keep saying it just depends on what you're trying to achieve over what time frame. Yeah. Like the more leverage you are, the more risk there is. Yeah. There just is because yeah. you've you've got something, you've got some form of liability. Yeah. But you can still have a low risk debt. Like if you've got a 50% LVR and a, a big residential portfolio yeah. and a passive income it's very unlikely the market's going to crash 50%. Yeah. So. And, and people's passive income goal is worlds apart sometimes. They go, oh, I want to retire with $1,000 a week or I want to retire on $2,000 a week. So depending on what their end goal is, is, is how you come into it and you kind of formulate that yeah. plan. And, like, and you know this better than anyone. Generally, as you get older, it gets harder to service debt as well. Mm. So they're not going to give a 70-year-old a 50% or 70% LVR. So, so that's yeah. going to come down. That, that's a lot of the time why they look to sell properties. 
the most common why I get is people sell property so they can give their grandkids and their kids deposits for a house in Sydney, Melbourne and things like that. So they need the cash flow. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing wrong with selling a property. If you've got a certain goal and you want to get it, I've sold property so I can travel the world and buy stuff or shift the money into commercial property to change it from a growth portfolio to a passive income type portfolio. So as long as it's kind of fitting. What about the capital gains tax, man? very annoying but I, I i always tell people if you're paying capital gains tax it means you've done well yeah it's the same as when yeah. people go oh, i don't want to pay tax on that's why i get negatively geared properties yeah. cool you're still losing money yeah. like it's if your boss offers you a 50 grand pay rise you don't say no no i'm not paying that extra 20 grand tax you fool like it's if you're paying tax you're doing well and yeah. if you're not paying tax you haven't made any money yeah you might have paper money you might have equity paper money but guess what you need to do to realize that? Mm. You have to refinance and sell that property to realize it. So yeah. some point the tax man's going to get you. The people holding properties with the capital capital growth in quotation marks properties, the tax man will get them. They mm. at some point will want to realize that value. And unless they're pulling out equity and using that equity to live off, which is also a strategy, living off equity, you can can do those strategies. Banks don't generally don't like it as much as you get older, but you will at some point need to realize that value, whether it be through sale. Yeah. So, do you think the capital gains tax um, has some implications where that, that has some effect on why property prices keep going up because people just don't want to sell to pay capital gains tax? Oh, that's, that's a big question. It just, just depends where it is. Most, most of it comes from lack of stock, mm. uh, but more and more- But isn't that lack of stock come into it where there's less people selling because they just don't want to pay capital gains less tax? Less people selling, but also a bigger population growth with compared to the amount of dwellings that we're building. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Especially, especially at the moment, I, I'm actually foreseeing that when people are talking doom and gloom in the resi market, have you seen how expensive it is to build at the moment? Like you said, they're mm. struggling with finance to do builds. So yeah. if, we're, if we open floodgates and we have a big population growth and we're not building houses, mm. that those vacancy rates are only going to get tighter. Rents are going to go up yeah. and you're going to get that push there. So it's, it's all about supply and demand. Certain, certain regions of Australia that have good lifestyle have really taken off as well. So mm. people aren't looking for those inner city kind of apartments and things like anymore. They're, they're looking for the land and lifestyle because they're, they're working from home three to five days a week. Yeah, yeah. Mate, another good episode. <laughs> another good episode. Thanks for coming in, man. It's no, been it's great been, having you. Been a pleasure, man. Let's Again, got to plug the book. Residential, commercial. You can get both of them. A bundle, yeah. Bundle, you just yeah. pay shipping. Persuasion. It's all free. Just go to my website. Use the code word organic and get free yeah. copies of the book. No worries. Thanks for coming, guys. Legend, guys.